What's up, buds? Welcome back to the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as usual, my pal and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, you know. I feel like uh, we are ready to provide some Zach Whitecloud-esque value to our listeners here today. You know, it is worth the price of admission uh, to be tuning into Short Shifts. I am... Um... I got to say, I do not understand the reference, and I would love it if you could explain it. Uh, I think he got signed for six years at only 2.7 mil. So we come in a little cheaper even than that and uh, provide just as much value, I hope, to our uh, fantasy listeners. Wait, you're making just below 2.2 million? Yeah, you know, just just below. <laughs> we need to be uh, we need to be talking about our salaries. I think a little bit more. This is a this is a worker situation, a, a bargaining issue. issue. Uh, folks, welcome back to Short Shifts. Uh, Lewis and I are your twice weekly interlude between the the Keeping Carlson Mega Show every Sunday evening. We're going to talk about the news, the notes, the errata of the National Hockey League. Catch you up on everything that's been happening since Tuesday night. Uh, tonight, I think we're uh, going to sort of segment the show a little bit. Lewis is going to start us off talking about a couple of injuries. I'm going to hand the reins over to you, my friend. Yeah, we got to sadly start with our typical start of show COVID update. A little more limited this time around, at least. We've only got one team to deal with, but uh, we had some concerns about the Minnesota Wild. Heard that uh, they were you know, canceled to practice and pulled some players off the ice, and it turns out uh, the big one that matters for fantasy is that Matt Zuccarello uh, is out on COVID protocol. Obviously, don't know exactly what the situation is quite yet. Uh, could still be just a couple negative tests away from getting back in for, for the time being. Uh, those Zook owners are going to be in wait-and-see mode. Uh, it certainly hurts the Minnesota depth, but it does mean that Kevin Fiala uh, is going to move up to line one. And get some help at 5v5. He's not going to be tasked with carrying that line three all on his own. Uh, the way that Zuccarello has started the season, I think we definitely need to stash him, uh, at least until we know more. If he's going to miss extended time and you're in a shallow league, maybe he's the kind of guy that you can sub out. But it's been a very nice start to the season. Hopefully he'll remain asymptomatic and be back uh, before you know it. Hopefully also he can retake that line one deployment. He's been really successful there. Uh, they've been relying on Fiala to do the heavy lifting down on line three to give their offense some balance. Uh, but definitely, you know, if he gets dropped to the wire, that's someone I would definitely snatch up and stash on IR if I could. Uh, he's been getting some nice deployment. Uh, we also want to watch out, check out those game day lines and see who is going to end up taking uh, Zuccarello's power play spot because that could also be an interesting spot. Not a ton of really appealing uh, potential fillers in there, uh, but, you know, there's always hay to be made on that top power play. Is there always hay to be made on that top power play? There is frequently hay to be made on any <laughs> NHL top power play. Okay. So depending it, on the depth of your league. Sure. Yeah. Um yeah, I think that uh I wouldn't worry too much about Zuccarello getting back up to that spot just because I think Minnesota sees Zuccarello and Kaprizov as a a fully fleshed out unit. Their their chemistry is is very much uh, uh is something that has been talked about quite a bit. They've been so successful ever since they've been together. So, I'm not overly concerned about Zuccarello getting Wally pipped just because there's obviously a reason why Kevin Fiala's off that top unit. I do, I will push back on the, you know, I, I don't think that it's a real line three. And I think that people sometimes over, I, we've talked about this in previous seasons where there's teams that sort of, uh, 
they run a very even top three lines or, you know, maybe there's a minute extra for the top line and then the, t- the second and third lines, they may be used sequentially where the defensive line is the second line. And then you get freaked out about, you know, a guy like Jakob Verana, who was on the third line in Washington forever, but his line was the one that was more often used offensively. So I hope that people aren't too concerned about Kevin Fiala. I'm actually super excited to see what he can do while Zook is out, but mainly just because I own him in several leagues and I'm I'm a big Kevin Fiala fan. I think he and Kaprizov could put up some interesting numbers tonight, and I hope that I'm not eating my words uh, when this recording surfaces tomorrow morning. Yeah, no, I'm with you on how we describe those lines. I do think that is important. If we were referring to the Flames lines in the order that they were presented to us, we'd be talking about fourth line Andrew Mangiapane. And while his situation is dire, certainly he's not receiving you know fourth line minutes. So uh, yeah, the minutes are really what matters here. Uh, moving on to a couple other injury updates. We had some players who have been out of the lineup for a minute, but we did get some firmer updates on Nikita Kucherov as well as Drew Doughty. Uh, Kuch is going to be out eight to 10 more weeks. This has been confirmed. Uh, you know, the top six, the last couple games have been Killorn, Point, Cirelli, and Palat, Stamkos, Joseph. So Stamkos uh, playing down the middle. Once again, helpful for anybody in a uh, face-offs league. It's a nice opportunity for Sorelli in a more offensive role, although he has not been very exciting in that spot. His minutes are about the same as they were before. The shots still aren't coming, uh, obviously pending the results of the game as we are recording right now. Yeah, it's decent deployment, but I look at it as a pretty boring ad. Uh, maybe a more interesting ad, more of a home run swing, is Matthew Joseph, uh, who's had a huge boost in minutes. He's seeing 16 to 17 minutes a night instead of the 9 to 11 minutes he was enjoying before. And he has points in the three games previous to us recording tonight here on Thursday. Um, who would you, out of those two, uh, who would you prefer to add in a deepish league between uh, Sorelli and Joseph with this new top six deployment? Definitely Sorelli for me. Um, you're seeing more power play minutes. You're seeing a guy who has scored and and been very effective in the past. And he's less likely to get moved down if things don't pan out. Um, Matthew Joseph, to me, is more of a bottom six uh, energy guy, the kind of guy that the Lightning do get a lot of use out of. I think Anthony Sorelli, in a perfect world, is a, you know, the Yanni Gord replacement uh, on a on the best third line in hockey if things were going as well for the Bolts as they would have hoped this year. But instead, uh, we're seeing him in the second line, and he's been playing with Stamkos like to start the year and continues to get good deployment um, eight games in, I think that it, we're just seeing a bit of a cold streak. He put up those first three points in the first two games, and I thought everybody was going to go crazy trying to fall fall over themselves, trying to get Anthony Sorelli on the roster. So I trust him more moving forward. Okay. Uh, the most interesting of those top six options, who is fairly widely available, I was actually shocked to see that Alex Killorn uh, is, avail- is only rostered in 48% of Yahoo League's uh, that's the guy that I would go after in a you know shallower league or what if he's available for you. You know that's a guy I'm definitely interested in. He's the guy who's on line one and power play one uh, with six points in the last three games and change, including two goals so far uh, as we are recording here on Thursday night. Now that is against uh, the the woeful uh, Arizona Coyotes uh, and a backup goalie, so I'm not going to put too much stock in that. But definitely off to a nice start there. Uh, moving on to the Kings. Uh, Lewis, I, I have to interrupt you, my friend. We are seeing some massive news on Twitter right now. 
it looks like uh, several several reporters are saying that Joel Quenville is out in Florida. Um, obviously, this is extremely new information for us. We're seeing it live as it rolls in. Do you have any takes, though, on, on what this could mean for Florida? Obviously, completely uh, understanding, of course, that the bigger implication here is that John Quenville should not have coached yesterday and should not be coaching in the NHL based on the fact that he is willing to cover up sexual assault to win a couple of extra hockey games. So I'm going to I'm going to hold off on rendering any judgment because I think losing Quenville is one thing but knowing who is going to replace him will be, you know, probably the more important piece of the equation. Uh my assumption will be it is someone who will be well versed in how to report uh, properly up the correct chain of command when he encounters uh, news of sexual abuse. So I'm sure that will be a step in the right direction. Uh, yeah, but I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna hold off and wait and see. You know who who gets sent in there. Obviously, you mentioned this before. Uh, it should have happened before today. Certainly should not have been on the bench for that game yesterday. Uh, so uh, good to see that uh, whatever this meeting was with the Panthers leadership led to the correct course of action being taken. Uh, I wonder what, if any, sort of threats of uh, potential, you know, um, uh, sanctions may have been levied if he was going to stick around because uh, they certainly made this move awfully quick. Uh, well, hold on. Before I say they made this move awfully quick, I should say they made this move awfully quick after meeting with the league. Obviously, they did little to nothing uh, as of yesterday. I will say I do not understand why the NHL didn't instantly uh, actually put in its own punishment. And maybe somebody could tell me that uh, why the NHL wouldn't want to suspend or put in some sort of enforcement against the men who covered up sexual assault in what is now the biggest hockey story of the last couple of years. Um, to me, that would be something where I wouldn't want a team to be able to just bring Stan Bowman in tomorrow uh, if they decided. I, not that I think they would, but if I was the NHL, I would kind of want to make a statement on that. Um, in terms of Florida, I do think that it could be negative for a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky, who kind of has to deal with the uh, with the quality of the team, if if there's some sort of uh, inconsistency in the coaching or or in the level of play, I could see maybe Bobrovsky being affected. But I agree, it's it's pretty early to try and guess what could happen here. Um, obviously, something we'll be keeping an eye on and covering as it moves forward. Lewis, we uh, we should probably get back to our usual um, or our our prepared roster, our, our slate for the show. But first, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts, Lewis. All right. Uh, so resuming talking about the Kings here, uh, we had an updates on a couple of their defensemen. Uh, first off, Sean Walker, unfortunately, out for the season uh, with a torn ACL, MCL. You feel for the guy, uh, you know, starting to, to come into his own and certainly looking at an opportunity to see some increased minutes to fill in with Dowdy out. Uh, the Dowdy injury is not quite as bad. He's going to be out for eight weeks, and that really derails a great start to the season for Double D. Uh, this appears for the time being to make Edler the power play one QB, although word is, uh, according to Pierre Lebrun, that uh, Rob Blake is working the phones looking for some extra defensive help. That'll be good news, uh, I'm sure, to hear for uh, Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. Uh, who may be in to face a few more shots. So maybe that'll be nice for folks in volume leagues uh, where that kind of stuff saves count. Um, but you got to think, at least in the short term, this might lead to some suffering in those rates. I know a lot of people were excited about the LA Kings uh, maybe moving up, but it definitely uh, takes a little bit of a shot here. 
uh, with that defensive depth that they're losing. So this could be good news for Alex Edler, though. He's not only going to get better power play exposure, uh, but more minutes to get those peripherals that we value so much from putting him out there. Uh, obviously, certainly not going to provide you the kind of firepower that you might have with Dowdy. So uh, look for that power play one to take a bit of a hit. Uh, but that is basically where that King situation puts us. Any thoughts on their deal? Yeah, I mean, if they're going to go look for a power, if they're going to go look for a defenseman, I wouldn't be shocked at all if it is to fill in on the power play, since that's probably where they're the the weakest now is is in offensive defensive defenseman. Um, Alex Edler doesn't really fit there. He was a guy who was always productive in Vancouver because he was decent enough, but also so good on the back end, kind of like a Neil Pionk who never got points or, or was like his was likely to get you 45 to 50 points, but didn't really offer you a, a wild upside. Um, but yeah, it's just a, just a sad day for uh, Doughty and Sean Walker. Do you feel for them? I will say Lewis, are you doing this new thing this season where you try and slip in a new nickname that nobody has agreed on? I, I heard Double D earlier. I feel like you're now just trolling me, trying to get me to uh, to just not notice when you give a when you crown a player with a new nickname. Am I am I onto something here? I thought maybe I could go a couple episodes without you catching on to this new bit, but yes, I am just trying to toss <laughs> some obnoxious weird nicknames on some of these people. It's the equivalent right. of people like uh, using the three the three initial. Like picking three weird initials for a team, like PGH for Pittsburgh, uh, or Win for Winnipeg. This is this is just a silly bet. Our friend Jade would always do this thing. Uh, who was with us in our previous Venture Average Time on Ice? Um, she would always do this thing where she would uh, acronymize every, or you know, give the initials for a player and then put their number, no matter how obscure the player was. So, like forever, the one that finally pushed me over the edge was she would call Andreas Johansson AJ eighteen, and I was just like, nobody know. Like you can't just tweet <laughs> AJ eighteen and expect people to know who you're talking about. Anyway, I, I don't know why. Pet peeve for me, uh, nicknames that people do not know. I don't know why. I'm sorry, Lewis. Let's it's keep outstanding. Going. I love that it's working. Hey, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm LA, I throw some futures to Arizona, get Shane Gosses Bear over there. That right? frees up Jacob Chikrin. All the Chikrin owners are happy. The Gosses Bear owners are happy. Arizona's happy. Mm-hmm. I, let's, let's make that happen. All right. One more to talk about here, just really quickly. Uh, we haven't seen a skate uh, out of Washington since TJ Oshie was reportedly injured and in a walking boot. So I'm not not going to get too deep into it. Uh, it does open up a second line slot with Mantha and McMichael, so keep an eye for who that might be. Uh, Power Play 1 also will have an enticing available slot, but I think it's already filled. Mantha played on the second Power Play with Connor Sherry taking four minutes on the top PP in Wednesday's loss to the Red Wings. Uh, LaViolette praised Sherry for his tenacity and puck retrieval, and he got a primary assist on Kuzi's Power Play goal. Uh, so I assume Mantha will then take the vacated Oshi spot. Sherry will stay up there. Uh, if you're in a very deep league, that might be an interesting pick, especially if power play points count. There's always money in the banana stand. There's always something to be had on Washington's top power play, much more than when I made the similar claim about Minnesota previously. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota, though, I think you're right about on each count in this case. I think Minnesota's power play is good. It, it was just that struck me as funny just because we went so long without a, an actually good power play in Minnesota. Anyway, let's move out of the injury section. I have a couple of hot streaks to bring up before we get out of here. I want to start in San Jose, Lewis, where last week we talked about the Sharks and how they were an excellent team to stream. And I mentioned in particular Logan Couture and Timo Meyer, who appeared in the Week 2 stream scheme episode as well. 
those at those guys at that point were rostered in just 30 to 35 percent of leagues but that's now doubled because that top line of Meyer Couture and Jonathan Dolan has been lighting the league on fire Meyer and Couture in particular are both tied for seventh in league scoring with nine points through their first six games those stats are from before tonight's games Meyer and Couture are definitely, I would say, outkicking their coverage. I don't expect them to hit point-per-game production over 80 games or anything like that. But the line has been incredibly dominant. They've posted a 62% shot share, a 63% expected goal share at even strength. Those are like perfection-level line numbers. Meyer currently leads the NHL in 5-on-5 points to start the season. He's the most interesting guy on the line to me, and even if he's definitely rostered in your league, and I don't think he's going to finish at his McDavid-esque pace, this is kind of, I've talked about this on the show before, this is kind of when I like to try to buy high on a guy. I don't mean, you know, send offer McDavid because he's on this 100 plus point pace, but you want to go and talk to somebody who's like, ah, oh, yeah, he's been super hot, but obviously that's unsustainable. I think this works a little bit better in a in a categories peripherals league, you can go to somebody with a player who's going to put up like 65, 70 points, which is probably, you know, more than most people expected, definitely more than people expected Meyer to get before the season. I'm sure there are a few folks who are starting to get their hopes up a little bit, but if you could go to somebody right now and say, Hey, look, I drafted Evgeny Kuznetsov at like 80th overall, where his ADP was inexplicably high preseason. He has hit that uh, so far, but you know, Kuznetsov could get traded. He could get. He could lose his position when Backstrom comes back. Um, and I, I honestly think that uh, I'm starting to believe in Timo Meyer. You know, the the shooting percentage is high. The on ice shooting percentage is 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 a touch high. But overall, I could see him having his breakout year and putting up a 70 point season if he continues to get really solid deployment and keeps up those incredible shot rates. So I don't know. This to me is like if I can go to somebody and say, hey. I need I need hits, I need shots. I'll give you some points and I'll give you several rounds in the draft because of how good Timo Meyer has been so far. You know, I'll offer you my eighth round pick, Andre Palat, for your eighteenth round pick, Timo Meyer, or the guy you got off the waiver wire. I feel like there are some leagues where you can pull off a deal like that. I like the psychology of this move. Like when you're doing to you know, trying to deal to people who are on hot streak, uh, you know, especially like you were talking with Kuznetsov versus Meyer. I think that's really interesting because what you have to think about, you know, you're trying to figure out if, you know, you've got someone who, you know, thinks that, oh, you know, that other shoe is going to drop here any moment. And so I've got to get out of here before it, that value falls. And like, maybe this person can sustain it a little longer. So I like that idea very much, actually, um, you know, with the, with the emphasis on, you know, trying to, to convince somebody that, you know, your their guy is going to fall off after they trade him to you and they'll look like a genius because they'll get somebody who is more capable of maintaining that streak. Exactly. It's all about the psychology. Everybody, you know, they want to feel like a genius. So you go ahead and let them. Exactly. I'm trading you my ninth round pick for your seventh. It's, it's genius. All right. Let's hop over to Winnipeg next. I want to talk about Andrew Kopp and... I feel like Andrew Kopp has come up all the time since we've started podcasting together because every year people don't really believe that he's going to break out again. And last year he ended up putting up a 58-point pace on the season, which was really solid but definitely bolstered by some unsustainable percentages, especially his point uh, participation percentage. But again this season, 
Andrew Cup is just over 50% rostered. He's been the most added player on Yahoo today, and that's because he started with eight points in six games. He's now playing 21 and a half minutes per night, which makes him top 10 in average time on ice among forwards. I have to say, I don't really remember a player ever going from playing 12 to 13 minutes a night for four years to start their career, then getting like a six-minute bump up to 17, 18 minutes a night, and then two years later, he sees another three-minute bump. It's really bizarre to me, but part of that, I mean, it's the absence of Shifley and Wheeler due to COVID protocol, but there are a few encouraging signs that make me think that an Andrew Kopp breakout may actually be upon us. He's seeing an extra minute of power play time on ice, ticking up towards that 50% of power play usage. Last year, there was a much more obvious split between the top and second unit in Winnipeg, but we're seeing Nikolai Ehlers start to take over a little bit more. That second, I'm using uh, air quotes here, that second unit in Winnipeg is is one that I could see getting like 50% or 40, 45 to 50% of the usage. He's seeing a, a shots per 60 uptick at even strength. His 5-on-5 shooting percentage is high, but not ridiculously so. We're talking about like a 25% reduction down to about 9% from from 13. So not double or triple what it should be, like some players are early in the season. His personal shooting percentage is a touch too high, too, and it's going to come down. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's uh, pacing for over 100 points a year. But for a guy who I think, again, this is a psychological thing, I think most people are used to seeing Andrew Kopp as a guy who's a waiver wire adjacent player. You add him, you drop him, it's like the circle of life or whatever. I think there's a chance here that part of Andrew Kopp's breakout is real. And if that's the case, I think we could be seeing like a 60 to 65 point pace from Andrew Kopp if he's able to sustain top six usage and uh, and getting 45% of power play minutes. And I don't really see why he wouldn't once the Jets are healthy once again. You love his left-wing, right-wing eligibility. You love the fact that he spent 20 minutes or over uh, every game except for the first one out there. Uh, so that all is quite good news. Uh, throw a little bit of uh, cold water just on the fact that half of his points have come against Anaheim. Uh, the Jets have played three games against Anaheim and will not see them again. So a lot of that success, you know, maybe is is a little bit illusory based on quality of competition. But I really like it. You know, this will, you know, as long as we're doing bits that annoy you, Ben, uh, this will drive you nuts. He's a good Ann Arbor boy, went to Michigan. I hate you so much. You love to see it, see him uh, getting success out there uh, in the league. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, some some decent shooting at six shots in his last game and that come from behind 4-3 win for Anaheim. I think it's very interesting. You love to see someone emerge like this. There is room uh, to grow and especially, I think, room for people to start to, to move up. You know, now we're in the near future in that top six, you know, as as Blake Wheeler is starting to, to you know, age out a little bit and we're certainly feeling some concern for him. Uh he is off of COVID protocol, which is good to know. So he might be back before too long. But yeah, you know, I'm really liking what Andrew Kopp is doing. And I would love to see him be able to sustain, even if not this current pace, but sustain, you know, as you said, uh, three quarters of it. Uh, that would make for a really outstanding season. And he would have a lot of value in many, many leagues. Yeah, plus 22% uh, in the last day, as you were saying, the most added player uh, on Yahoo. And you know what, Blake Wheeler? That's another guy that I would move for Timo Meyer. Oh, yeah. I, 100% if you can get someone to bite on that. 
Yeah, Blake Wheeler was a guy who was going inexplicably high given the already uh, the 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 numbers beginning to crater already. So I I wonder if you know the fact that he's been out on COVID protocol, people are not going to really buy into the fall off. They'll say, oh yeah, he was hurt or whatever. They might be able to talk themselves in to giving them giving Wheeler another chance. And again, you're you're giving up what appears to be draft capital. I know some people are going to be way too smitten with Timo, but there are going to be leagues where where he'll be available. All right, let's check out this last guy you have on your list. Looks like you're going to pull a Fox Mulder for us here, uh, Ben. Yes, I want to believe, Lewis, I want to believe in Craig Anderson. He's been absolutely insane to start the year with the Buffalo Sabres. A 3-1 record in four starts, a 1.76 GAA, a 9.44 save percentage, crushed Tampa, basically goalied them to death, and three of his four starts now have been quality starts with no blow-ups. That's on Buffalo, the Buffalo Sabres. But Buffalo has been surprisingly good, both by record and advanced stats so far. They're middle of the pack in expected goals for, which is super unsurprising, obviously, given the shooting talent. But they're top five in expected goals against so far. This is a team that has played very solidly defensively. I think that part of it is the puck-moving defenseman that they brought in. They don't have a ton of big names there, but a lot of the guys, Miller, Dahlin, these are guys who can move the puck really well. And I think that it reminds me of the Vegas model, where you bring in these cheap, under underappreciated defensemen who can move the puck out, and you're just not having to defend as much because you're not dealing with incompetent puck movers who give up the puck uh, at the easiest forecheck that pops off. So it is... I think the craziest part about this is that the real reason why Buffalo has been surprising to start the year is that Craig Anderson continues to goalie their opponents. He's just been unbelievable and holding them into games that I think their offense will over time begin to start to be unable to hold on to. So I I do think that we'll see some shooting slumps that will make the wins harder to come by moving forward. But I also just don't believe in Craig Anderson sustaining this because we've seen him go hot and we've seen him go cold. But I do think that this is a team, Buffalo, what I learned in researching this, Buffalo is a team that I think can have a sustainably good goalie. If they trade for one, I'm, I'm going to be really interested and, and consider adding them if I think he could be a volume guy. But for now, in a couple of leagues, especially points leagues, I'm rolling with Craig. Yeah, you know, we saw Linus Allmark do it uh, for streaks last year, too. The, the rare times where he could remain healthy, uh, you know, actually put up some success there. Maybe it's something that, you know, in the line of terrible nicknames, Coach Donnie Meatballs is doing over there. Uh, that is how can you not like you you like double D and E Rod, but you don't like Donnie well, Meatballs? I didn't come up with it, so it's obviously inferior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what, what we've seen basically, and, and really, this is the way they're going to need to win games, right? Is is by being you know responsible on defense, and I think it's the kind of thing that you do with a team that you know has had a ton of struggles and needs to kind of you know get its game back, you know, uh, from rebuilding, you know, kind of from the basics out. All right, Ben, that is all the time that we have here. Thank you so much, uh, those of you who downloaded and are listening to us. We so uh, really appreciate uh, your continued support. Uh, be sure to give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK. Brian and Elon, of course, can be found at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme, if you want to keep getting killer advice like pick up Andrew Majupani, he is at NHL Stream Scheme. These are the great sites we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Cuckupful.com. 
Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.